We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 24th day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, it's good to see you. How are you? Healthy, alive, uh, doing well. Yourself? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm uh, I'm a bit bored, to be honest. As in, like news-wise, I'm I'm bored. There's there's nothing in the news. What the old man is is coming over to uh, coming over to Europe for what? What's he coming over here for? To come over here and give some bumbling speech that means nothing to a bunch of people that aren't going to listen to him. I mean, hell. The Saudis won't even return this guy's phone calls. Jen Psaki has COVID-19, right? She's tested positive for COVID-19. You notice that Dr. Mike Yaden has said on multiple occasions that the fact that you can be reinfected is utter nonsense to begin with. But she's somehow been infected twice, tested, po well, let me put it this way, T tested positive twice for COVID-19, both times are when Biden was traveling to Europe, which means she's not going to be out there in front of the news cameras answering, or excuse me, the propaganda cameras answering pointless questions about, well, why did the president say this while he was in Europe? Why did the president say that while he was in Europe? Yeah, it's um, they'll be able to avoid um, that uh, in the news feed, if you will. They'll, they'll be able to sweep it under the rug, more or less, without any kind of pushback or any of that kind of stuff. And then something else will be in the in the news, you know, when he gets back. And then she'll, I don't know, it'll be uh, probably the stimulus checks or something like that <laughs> they're talking about doing. Yeah, Macron's talking about doing the same thing in France. He says, well, uh, we're, we're going to uh, uh, hand out more food stamps to people. Um, that's rationing. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out where these people went to any kind of like economic school. I mean, do, do you people not know like basic economics? I'm not an economist, but I know basically how to deal with that problem. It's simple. You get yourself out of this horrible single market currency for starters, reinstitute a sovereign currency. Well, of course, I guess you have to do that by declaring your sovereignty in the first place. Get out of this monstrosity that's a that's a giant bag of failure called the European Union and do right by your people. Start rebuilding your economy. Start giving people opportunity. Start giving people the ability to stand up and take control of their own lives and to manage their own way. That's how you fix the problem. You, you don't just hand out more things, more handouts when you're already bankrupt to begin with. You don't just do that. No. Instead, you give people the chance to stand up and take the opportunity for themselves. This is the this is an argument I actually heard today about uh, about Russia. Actually, it was described to me as what's actually the opportunity in Russia, as in like we were, they were talking about life expectancy, as in you know the the I guess the uh, the, the average mortality rate uh, in Russia, and the average adult male in Russia usually doesn't live past their fifties. In a lot of cases, that's not to say that it's the same all the way across the board like that. But the reason is, is because there's no opportunity. There's no drive. There's no sense of fulfillment because you can't own property. You can't really build a business. You can't 
own really much of anything. There's no real opportunity to to make money. I, I want to say the average um, the average Russian earns about I want to say it's around five thousand dollars a year, something like that. That's that's really about it. So. But, or excuse me, 5,000 pounds a year, not dollars, 5,000 pounds a year. Uh, I actually read that in an article today out of the Sun Papers. Take that for what you will. Uh, but it, it makes sense. It makes sense. If you don't have an opportunity to develop yourself further and to become more and to live a fulfilling life, that's going to be pretty depressing, isn't it? You're not going to have much will to do anything. You're not going to have much drive to do anything, are you? In fact, the only way that you can actually make something of yourself uh, in Russia, this is according to what I was told by somebody who was an expert on uh, the Soviet Union and now the Russian Federation. In order to make something of yourself, you have to pretty much be in with like the, um, the, the, the gangster state kind of thing, you know? I mean, that's how it is in, in totalitarian type countries is you have to be in with the crowd. That's a stakeholder, by the way. That's what Schwab wants to do. That's a stakeholder. So unless you're isn't in that, with that uh, crowd, then you don't really make it. What's that? Isn't that what GP is basically said when when we talk about this kind of stuff? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. It's kind of the system around the world, uh, honestly. It is. And, you know, I, I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I've had if it wasn't for somebody that I knew. And it wasn't even wasn't even so much it wasn't even so much somebody that I knew per se to start with. It was somebody that I just happened to meet. And that person was able to say, hey, you know, why don't you try this? You know, I, I can I can put in a word for you there. And that's how it starts is that it's not what you know, it's who you know. Now, if you're to go off of um, off of what someone knows and they work their way up to, into a position of something, I mean, that doesn't say a whole lot for our political classes across the West, does it? Because these people don't know anything, but yet they're in positions of authority all across the world. They're in positions that dictate how the rest of us live our lives. And for some reason, we listen to them. I'm not sure why we do that. Again, I'm not advocating for anarchy, but I said from the start of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce, you, you, were, you were here. You sat right here the whole time. I said... If you want COVID to end, I said, ignore these people. That's all you have to do. If you want COVID to stop, just ignore them. Live your life as you normally would. Somebody comes around and says, well, we need to shut your business because of a pandemic. You tell them to go to hell. You toss them out on the curb with the rest of the garbage. They're going to shut you down anyway. So why would you listen to them? Keep your business open. Stand for something. Now, I, I know that that sounds, I, I want to say that that sounds harsh. Does that sound harsh? Because businesses are trying to survive right? They're trying to survive. But yet, now that you've done everything that you've been told to do, you've readjusted your entire business model around something that the government's told you to do and the health departments have told you to do. Now you're operating with about 25% of your customer base, at least where I am, because you're closed to people that, and I can't even believe we're at this point, that have to involuntarily give up a sample of their DNA to sit down and have a cup of coffee. What the hell are we doing? What are we doing? And and you want to sit here and you seriously want to tell me that the people that are making decisions like that actually know something? Please educate me if that's the case. Please educate me because that right there, that's no way to run a country. That's no way to run business. Giving handouts to people, that's no way to run a country. That's no way to run a business. Good way to run a slave state or a, you know, a dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of dystopian, you actually, you mentioned something earlier about a, uh, about a dystopian uh, test country that they're going to start? Yeah, there's a, there's a new, they're, they're calling it a metaverse city, but it's a new utopia that has no rules or police. Now, the no rules bit there is a bit um, deceptive because, um, well, let, let, let's talk about the city first a little bit. Yeah, It's designed by uh, 
Zaha Hadid Architects. Um, I'm skewing that name probably, okay. uh, but it's one of the world's most prominent architecture firms. The architecture is very uh, rounded. There's a, there's a lot of um, kind of oval circles, you know, different shapes. Uh, not your typical uh, square rectangular shapes, right? Or triangles or any of those. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more organic, I guess you could say, or whatever. All the buildings look like the C-curve buildings, city hall, collaborative working spaces, shops, uh, businesses, blah, blah, blah. They're saying there's going to be 7,000 residents in this, uh, this city. The city is in between, uh, Serbia and Croatia, 7,000 are currently approved. I don't know how many they intend to have long run, uh, long term. It, it, it's going to be called Lieberland, Lieberland. I don't know, uh, something like that. Completely digital city. The reason they can get by with having no rules or no police or any of those kind of things, it's a completely digital city in that, um, you know, you, you have a digital currency, you have a digital ID, you have a digital, oh, wait, you have a social credit system. That's literally what the city is. It's the first test of a city that's completely run on social credit. We do have those in China already. But then again, those are not... And I'm assuming this is going to be like a showcase city. They're going to showcase this to the world. They're going to advertise this kind of thing. That's what I'm assuming. They're also wanting to do the... God, this is, this is what's weird about this. They're, this is a physical location, but they're also wanting to do this in, in the metaverse, as in virtual reality. They're wanting to do both along with its own hang on a minute so and, hold on yeah. a minute so you, you're talking about a, a social credit system within a social credit system basically okay so the the micronation is not recognized by any other nation country it has its own flag anthem and cryptos currency the liberland merit it, it's going to function on a decentralized platform utilizing blockchain uh and they're saying it's what what they're shooting for is libertarianism ideals I guess the more important question here is, what do you have to do, or does it tell you, what do you have to do to get a spot there, to be a resident of this city or, or nation or test country or whatever it is that they're trying to do? What do you have to do to be a citizen there, apart from giving up every aspect of your life? What, what else do you have to do? What do you have to do to actually get in the door physically? Not even sure that this is a real place now because they keep referencing metaverse, 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 and I'm not even sure this is an actual physical location. This all looks okay. Like so a, will it be that? Well, even so, even face. so, that still that still bears relevance yeah. because that still bears relevance because that's where they want to take people, right? They want to put everybody somewhere in in like the metaverse, right? And and you can buy properties with. Uh, the, the properties are like NFTs in these uh, in the metaverse already, right? You buy them with Bitcoin or you buy them with uh, cryptocurrencies of some kind. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this looks like it's all digital. This isn't even a real place. It's not even a real place. This is what's confusing about it because the way it's worded here, it's both a physical location and a digital location. That's that's the gist I'm getting from this. But they're doing maybe they're doing an experiment on metaverse first, kind of playing with the idea there. Uh, while the physical location is being built, I I don't know. This is this is so it's just so out there and weird. I, I get the idea of trying to do libertarian ideas and wanting to do the. But as much as I hate government, as much as I hate having a centralized system, you have to have little bits of it. Otherwise, you have anarchy. Like like there is uh, the right amount of government is small government. That is the correct amount of government. Um. You want it as decentralized as possible, but 
you you can't cross the line from having a a a ordered state to anarchy you can't cross that line into anarchy you got to teeter on the edge of anarchy as close as you can get without having a um, crazy society if you will that's kind of where i line up and this having no rules not, none of that and i'm assuming that that it, you, you do the the digital system the the social credit system uh, i don't know anyway well in order to have a stable society you need to have a stable market do you not you need to have a stable marketplace. You need to have good trade. You need to be on friendly terms with other nations that you buy from, right? That's, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. Vladimir Putin has announced today that unfriendly nations, whatever that means, unfriendly nations. I know there's probably a few nations that are unfriendly to, uh, to Russia, I think, because of all the sanctions that are being thrown around. Uh, unfriendly nations are now being told that they're going to have to pay for their oil and natural gas in rubles which is the Russian currency, if you didn't know. The rule applies to all unfriendly nations, and Russia published a list of 48 unfriendly states a few weeks ago, which includes the European Union, the United States, Japan, Switzerland, and Norway. Uh, these are generally the countries that have put sanctions on the Russians in the last few weeks or so. This is Vladimir Putin speaking on the matter. We'll transition to charging supplies for natural gas and other raw materials in Russian rubles when treat dealing with unfriendly countries. Russia, of course, will continue supplying natural gas and will respect all the obligations and the pricing under the contracts that we have signed. Unlike some of our colleagues, we treasure our reputation as a reliable supplier and a reliable partner. This only concerns the currency in which we will transact these payment. We will transition to rubles. From his standpoint, that's a smart play, isn't it? Do you think? But I mean, at the same time, you're undermining the petrodollar. Same thing with the uh, the Saudis. They said they're going to be looking at doing oil deals in yuan. And there again, you're undermining the petrodollar. You know, the whole thing about the, the Saudis and the Americans... The, the whole idea with that, the whole idea of the United States taking over and, and doing the deal with the Saudis that we did was, OK, here's the deal. We're going to provide security for you and you're going to trade your oil in dollars, right? That's the petrodollar, as we call it. That was the deal. All oil in the world is traded in dollars. Let me explain this for those that don't know. Let's say a country like France wants to buy oil from a country like Russia, or for the sake of argument, a country like Saudi Arabia. Well, the French use the euro currency. They can't purchase the oil in euros. So what do they have to do? They have to call up their central bank and they have to say, we need this amount of money and we need it in dollars. So we need to exchange our euros for dollars. And then once they get the dollars deposited, then they can make their purchase to the Saudi central bank or the Russian central bank or whatever it is, and that bank receives it in dollars. However, now with a crashing ruble, and again, I'm not an economist here, but as a with a crashing ruble, if Vladimir Putin says, we're going to be honoring our obligations, but we're going to do it in our currency, that's going to be a boon for his currency, is it not? Yeah, it, it'll potentially stabilize uh, their currency. Um, you know, but last time a government tried to switch up from the petrodollar mm -hmm. um was gaddafi namely gaddafi yeah i had and to go that, uh, gold for oil 
for, before yeah, that, it was Saddam. Saddam said he wanted to sell the Iraqi oil in euros, not dollars. Yeah, and we, we know what happened to those guys. Um, as, as Hillary put it, uh, we came, we saw, he died, uh, and then her cackle. It, it could potentially be a boon for his economy. Honestly, if this were, you know, if we were in the same scenario, the same boat uh, as they were, I don't think I would, I would um, change that policy. I mean, I would, I would do the same thing. In other words, I, I, I probably would um, continue doing, you know, the business deals and just use my currency because everything else is sanctioned. So he doesn't really have a choice there. But I don't know. They're they're kind of in a they're kind of in a, a weird. Either you side up with China, who you can't trust, or which you're not isolated. even the Russians. Not even the Russians can trust the Chinese. And both scenarios are not good. I mean, you, you don't want to be isolated, but you also don't want to be siding with China either. No, so, and you still want to you you still want to have somewhat of a working economy, even through heavy sanctions. I mean, Russia. The only thing that they have to bargain with is oil and natural gas. That's the only thing they've got to bargain with. Is that the Chinese? Nearest I can tell, they don't have anything to bargain with. They've got ninety. What is it like ninety seven percent of the rare earth mineral rights? But uh, that's not because they have those in China. That's because they're everywhere else through corrupt business deals that they were able to work. Yeah, this is. Um it's a really, I, I hate the situation for the Russian people. I, I hate it for the Ukrainian people as well, having to deal with the war. But the, the sanctions and everything, usually when we sanction countries, whenever we sanction them, it's usually on their leadership. It's usually targeting them uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, the luxury items that they get, you know, those kind of things, restricting their travel, so on and so forth, making their lives painful. We don't usually sanction the entirety of the nation and then uh, make the people suffer because, frankly, the, the people don't really have a choice in this. I don't think Putin was uh, democratically elected. I don't think that was a fair election, just as I don't think many other elections are fair. I don't think any of our uh, nation's elections, no matter where we come from, I don't think any of our elections have been legit for probably the last three decades, at least, at least. That's just, that's strictly opinion, but that that's opinion based. But based on the research we've been able to to gather from the likes of uh, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and, and these types of individuals, they've been undermining our elections for a good number of decades now. So this is nothing new. Yeah. So I, I'm... I, I feel sorry for what's going on there. And I do hope it does stabilize the ruble. To be fair, I do hope it stabilizes it. I also hope that there's some kind of peace deal that goes on between uh, Ukraine and Russia and that the war stops. The, the, the thing about that is, who created Ukraine? Well, if you talk to Vladimir Putin, he'd say that Lenin created Ukraine. He's not wrong. When was Ukraine created? When was it founded? Right about that time. Yeah, well, I believe it's well. Name. It goes. It goes way, way back. I mean, technically, the the, the Slavic. I mean, it goes way, way, way back. But yes. modern. But I mean, Ukraine, the the you know. yeah, the country that we know as Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. Um, was created in the eighties uh, by the Soviets. So, um, I'm I'm a little I'm a little torn on this whole war. Still, this this whole debacle. It 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 has more of a feeling of a civil war. To me, than a yeah. to than a, a nation invading another nation. Yeah, Zelensky's been uh, now. This is this is what we've uh, this is what we've been hearing. Zelensky's been calling for peace. He wants to have a sit down with Putin, but the mainstream media here in the West is not having any of it. They're not promoting that at all, are they? I haven't heard word one out of the mainstream media here saying anything like that. Yeah, they're they're trying to gen up more war, and 
Uh, it, which is odd coming from the people that said we should pull out of wars and we shouldn't be involved in wars. And yet you're out there wanting more war and not just war, but wanting to send the weapons that, you know, the, the same kind of weapons that you want to take from us, you're wanting to send to them. It, it, it Yeah. It's okay, Bruce. It's okay because they've got a secret plan. Now it's public, but it's a secret plan. You got it? They've got a secret plan, but it's public and they're talking about it, but it's a secret plan. Just so you know, there's a secret plan for a quote, peacekeeping mission. Which, when they say when they say that they've got UN peacekeepers going in somewhere, do you know what that means? I, I mean, I, I guess I really don't have to explain that. Um, they're going to send in 10,000 NATO troops from all different countries. Uh, it, now, again, this is the secret plan that is public that they're talking about because it's a secret. They're going to send in 10,000 NATO troops from different countries into Ukraine and impose a limited no-fly zone. Now, this is allegedly being prepared by the Polish government. I'm almost quite certain that the Polish people don't have any say in that. I'm almost quite certain of that. Polish news outlet Onet has reports that or has reported that the president of Poland is waiting on a green light from the White House to implement the proposal. Biden is on his way to Poland right now, if anybody was wondering. He's literally on the plane in the air, probably somewhere over the Atlantic as we speak. Created by the Polish Ministry of Defense, the plan would see 10,000 NATO troops formed of an international contingent sent to Ukraine to, quote, protect humanitarian corridors and enforce a no-fly zone over them. It means setting up military... Now, this is, a, this is a quote from the article. It means setting up military units at a distance from the front lines that would be tasked with defending humanitarian convoys with food and medicine and the ones allowing for civilians to escape danger. I haven't seen anything about these humanitarian corridors. What I'm seeing are these, uh, these uh, Azov brigades executing civilians in the streets. That's the videos I'm seeing. I'm seeing them take up hostages in residential tower blocks and in schools and in theaters. That's what I'm seeing. Now, I don't know if, if that's uh, Russian disinformation or whatever in the hell you want to call it. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's going on in there. There's a lot of propaganda coming out on both sides, but that's what I'm seeing. I'm also seeing the Russians bombing and sending cruise missiles into residential tower blocks. I'm also seeing that. So I'm seeing atrocities. To be fair, I'm seeing atrocities on both sides. So I'm not I'm not taking one side or the other here. I'm completely in the middle on this one. I'm, I'm neutral. I'm Switzerland on this one, which you can't even say that anymore because Switzerland's gotten involved with these sanctions, which is that's historic in and of itself. According to an outlet called Remix News, one of the scenarios includes implementing a no fly zone over the largest of Ukraine's cities, which would mark a serious escalation and a likely direct conflict with Russia. Well, this just sounds like a bad idea all the way around, doesn't it? But that's okay. Biden's on his way to Poland to, to smooth all this over. That's yeah, that, that's that's great. That's great. Ministry of Defense and uh, with law and justice leader uh, Yaroslav Kaczynski uh, previously visited Kiev, where he where he appealed to NATO powers to, quote, implement the peace mission. And this is his quote. I would like to appeal to the conscience of the European leaders. I think that it is necessary to have a peace mission, NATO, possibly some wider international structure, meaning the EU army that they're just now trying to stand up, but a mission that will be able to defend itself, which will operate on Ukrainian territory. That is, it is backing up what you said, is they they want the war. They want the conflict. It's not sticking. They're not selling it to the public because they're finding out the people that were on board with um, 
with getting the jabs are the same people that are on board with this. They're they're walking around now wearing Ukraine face masks, like Ukraine flag face masks. That, that's what they're doing now. It's, it's, it's Actually, the same that, agenda. There was a poll. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I remember seeing it here recently. I got it. I'll pull it. A, yeah. oh, oh, you've got that poll. Yeah, okay. I got it. I got it right here. Yeah. So the same people that uh, took all the jabs, yeah, the, the, the three jabs, therefore more sanctions. About 86% of the ones that had three jabs, or I guess that would be 86% of respondents, they were jabbed three times. They all said sanctions, more sanctions. And they said they were uh, jabbed. So you you knew. Yes. So you, it's not just like a made up uh, statistic. They actually, they were asked whether or not they'd been vaccinated and yeah, double vax boosted. Yeah. Uh, seizing the assets of Russian oligarchs associated with the president, Putin, um, 85% of them uh, agreed with this were jabbed. Um, the 13% that disagreed were uh, unvaccinated. Uh, cutting off oil shipments from Russia, 81% were jabbed. That said, yeah, we want to increase that. The, we, we import roughly between 25 and, and 35% of our domestic oil and natural gas supplies from Russia, if anybody was wondering, just on average across the West. Um, yeah, only 21% of unvaccinated said uh, agreed. Sending additional military equipment to Ukraine, the 82% of the vaccinated said yes, uh, whereas only 18% of the unvaccinated said yes. Providing additional loans and non-military aid to Ukraine, again, triple jabbed, majority of them said yes, 78%. Uh, 15% of unvaccinated said yes. And then... Um, uh, this just gets into more uh, detail, minutia about, you know, what kind of equipment uh, and then also dispatching military forces. The, the dispatching military forces, 30 percent of vaccinated said yes, and only 11 percent of unvaccinated said yes. That number is far too high on both sides. I don't even think anybody understands what. So those corridors that you were talking about, the the. For the refugees and uh -huh. that is both for the refugees and for the importation of arms, uh, medical aid and food, you know, those kind of things into Ukraine. It's kind of a, a, a double uh, a double whammy, if you will. And Putin has said, um, look, we're going to start hitting those arms shipments that you're bringing in. Uh, and that's probably why they're saying, well, we'll we'll just bring in anti-air into the, the, those situations. Uh, and ensure there's a no-fly zone over those areas. Um, uh, you shouldn't even be sending arms in this. It, it, we shouldn't be involved in this at all. But whatever. We're, we're getting ourselves involved in another war. Uh, and then the, the last one I'll list here. None of the above on this. Uh, they agreed with none of the above. 2% were I think that's fully where you, vaccinated. That's where you fall in, right? That, that would be... More or less, where except I fall for the in. except I for the actually, fully vaccinated part. Yeah, and then fifty-two percent of the unvaccinated are in that category. I would say though, I'm I'm actually cutting off the oil, uh, Russian oil. That's as about as far as I would go with sanctions. But there's a big ass caveat right there. Yeah, I'd be shutting off the oil shipments from Russia, but I would also be uh, increasing our own oil shipments. Actually, I don't even know that I would cut off oil shipments from Russia now, come to think of it, because a better solution would be to spin up our infrastructure, get it going and running, and then start dumping our oil onto the market at a cheaper rate and cause the rates of oil to tank. And yeah. then 
who's going to buy Russian oil? Because our oil is cheaper and we're yeah. not the ones going in and attacking a, another nation. And we could more than satisfy our, uh, our allies in Europe, could we not? We'd be happy to, to, to satisfy that. They'd be happy to buy some American oil, I think. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it, you could you could use a free market system in that ca- in this case. Oh, no. And not even have you. to do any kind of no, sanctions. How, how dare you? No, we, we can't do that. We can't do that. No, we, we need we need heavier regulation on the market. That's what we need. The sanctions have gotten so ridiculous. I mean, we, we were banning Russian cats and stuff a couple of weeks ago. They have literally removed the first man in space. He's no longer part of the International Space Federation or whatever it is of recognized individuals. He was the first man in space. It was a Russian. Well, at the time, it was Soviet, but yeah, it was a Russian. What, j- just because of, of politics, th- this man who, who, who set a historical precedent in all of human history, he's now got to be removed because he's Russian? That's insane. This is insane. These, these people have gone insane. They're, they're like the Roman senators of the modern age. They're insane. They've lost their damn minds. This today, this drop today, a Russian chess grandmaster has been banned from competing for expressing the wrong political opinion. He doesn't denounce what Putin has done in Ukraine. And so he's now been banned for six months from international competition. He can't play chess now. Somebody can't play chess because they uh, uh, because that what because they, they they don't have a political opinion or they have the wrong one. 32 year old grandmaster Sergei Karjakin expressed support for the Russian military operation in Ukraine, writing an open letter to Vladimir Putin that stated Russia is, quote, fighting for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine with his ruling regime, which has put the security of all of Europe and our country at risk for the sake of its political goals and ambitions. For eight long years, we've been waiting with the hope for salvation from countless shelling and the loss of human lives, uh, the ongoing genocide by the still acting Kyiv regime. I express to you, our commander-in-chief, full support in protecting the interests of Russia, our multinational Russian people, eliminating threats and establishment of peace. I wish you the speedy fulfillment of all the tasks assigned to our valiant army. Because he wrote that, he now has to be banned from playing chess? Interesting uh, interesting thing about uh, all of this as well. Um, if you were to go back before february what was it 28th 23rd has it been has it been officially one month now is it is that almost yeah yeah okay so it was the 20 uh uh, it was like the 26 he made the speech on the he made the speech on the 24th so a month from today and okay a month ago today he made the speech on the 24th and then the 26th i think is when he went in there because uh that was the, the biden announced on the same day that he was suspending all oil uh drilling and everything on you know the, the suspension of the the nine thousand permits or whatever it was. No more oil drilling. No more exploratory drilling. No nothing. And then Putin gives that speech later that afternoon or that evening. Recognizes the two Donetsk and, and Luhansk. Recognizes those two and then invades two days later. So if you go to New York Times or Washington Post or um, Reuters, AP, any of them, what, what, take take your pick, and you go before that date. And you look at how they were talking about Ukraine. All of those papers were talking about Ukraine being corrupt. They were against the Azov Battalion because they're Nazis. They didn't really have good things to talk or say about Ukraine. Now, all of a sudden, that narrative is swept under the rug. And how dare you speak against Ukraine? Before all of this went down, Azov Battalion was actually in the eastern side of Ukraine, 
where the c- citizens there mostly speak Russian uh, and are more Russian, uh, if you will, than Ukrainian, even though Which they're is Ukrainian. Donetsk and Luhansk, the two areas that yeah. Putin recognized. And that's also that to go along with the uh, the chess player here, when he says the eight years of ongoing atrocities and everything, that's what he's referencing is them attacking those regions for that period of time. Those regions were attacked by the Azov Battalion. They, they were bombing civilians, you know, attacking, capturing all kinds of stuff, civilians. And we're now supposed to, we're sending arms to and supposed to support the same group that was attacking civilians. This is the same kind of BS that we did in the Middle East. Um, We're we're supposed to support these terrorist organizations that want to annihilate the US and Israel, but we're supposed to send them arms shipments and, and help them. John McCain, ISIS. Oh yeah, we've got to support ISIS. We have to. They're freedom fighters. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Same exact scenario, same exact policies that we've seen over the last, what, 40 some years now. Uh, By the way, John McCain was responsible for getting this group started, by the way, I might add. Yeah, they, they, they had a good hand in it. Well, I would also say the Obama administration, because this Azov battalion came to be because of uh, money that disappeared in Ukraine in a, an oligarch's bank. It was Latvia. And then all of a sudden there was this. It was Latvia. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't Ukraine. Yeah, well, and, now it was a Ukrainian oligarch. Well, it was an oligarch. Named Kolomoisky, oh, yeah. who had a who had a private bank. You know, the guy that the guy that was so corrupt he couldn't even get a visa to go to the US. He was so corrupt. Couldn't even get a visa. And now all of a sudden we're putting two billion dollars in his bank. It disappears and voila, he gets a visa. It's amazing, isn't it? He not only gets a visa, but then becomes known as a hero in Ukraine. And all of a sudden, there's an Azov battalion that is well-armed and equipped in 2014. Hmm. And more money gone, as in like yeah. $2 billion. And now we're just sending hundreds of billions over there. Now it's, it doesn't even matter. You know, Biden just signed a, a thing for what, like $800 billion or whatever. Yeah, just send it on over. It's yeah. fine. Wasn't a ship in some... Uh, MIGs and they're wanting to ship in other hardware and whatnot. Yeah. And it, yeah. we've question. sent over anti-air, anti-tank, all that. Uh, question. Just just a quick question on that. The whole Ukraine thing. What happened to the biolabs? Those didn't go away. What happened to that? Why did that story get squashed all of a sudden? Uh, that was that was Russian misinformation. That was Russian disinformation. Um, no, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah. 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 The uh, the State Department actually admitted to that. Um, uh-huh. uh, and that we had the receipts. Actually, had from yeah. the embassy and the state department and the dod funding we, we actually had the receipts we've got the receipts still that yeah. wasn't yeah but a conspiracy theory i don't know what the, I, I i no idea where that went no idea where that story went well actually i do know it was memory hold just like every other uh, uh piece of information they don't like but so we're just supposed to forget that it even happened then right we're, we're yeah, just supposed to yeah. forget that yeah don't pay any attention yeah. to that nothing to see here move along move along putin's still a bad guy right putin's still a bad guy pay, yeah. to pay attention to that i was looking yesterday i guess we can talk a little bit of uh, satire here why not right i mean i i really don't see a whole lot going on uh, today other than that i mean we're just kind of doing some house cleaning so we're probably going to kick out of here a few minutes early but this came across my desk this morning i wanted to talk about this this is out of the sun papers bruce have you seen this there's been a yacht you know because we're seizing oligarchs yachts and, and all kinds of stuff abroad Abramovich has had his yacht seized and a few others have had their, their yacht seized. The Spanish have seized one. Uh, I think the Germans have seized one. The French have seized one. Now they're trying to get the Italians 
to seize one. There is a yacht that is down off the coast of, I want to say it's, uh, where the hell is it? Uh, it's off the coast of Italy, and it is just out there, just off the coast, just bobbing around out there. This is rumored to be Putin's yacht. That This is rumored to be his. They're saying that it could cost anywhere up to $1 billion pounds, which is over a billion dollars. They're saying 500 million, but it could cost it by judging by everything that's on it. They're saying that they could estimate that up to be a billion because you've got literal, you have literally gold screws holding everything together. This thing, wait, wait till I get down through some of this stuff. It was so amazing because the, these things, I'm fascinated by these things, but it's so amazing to see this stuff. And Bruce is already shaking his head or nodding his head and, and smiling and everything else. It's a nice yacht, isn't it? It's a nice yacht. It is a nice yacht. The, the captions for some of the photos is... It's the Sun Papers. Not accurate at yeah, it's all. It's the Sun Papers. It's, it's Rupert yeah, Murdoch. Take it for what it is. Yeah, but this, this is what I'm getting at, all right? Well, the, the first picture on here, inside the yacht, is um, a, a toilet roll holder, okay? It, but it's, it's made it's out of solid gold. gold. It's made No, it's made out of solid gold. It, it's solid gold, okay. The caption, though, says, the super yacht features tasteless gold toilet roll holders. Okay, I, I'm sorry if... I, I I don't care. It's freaking gold. It's gold. <laughs> it, I I I, I tasteless. I I don't it's even. It's two grand an ounce. It's two grand an ounce. I, I that... get it. I, I get it. It's Putin. It's tacky. I understand. It's it, tacky. We're supposed to be um like you know ooh Putin's bad Putin but like you don't have to put these little subtle tasteless. You don't need to do that. You don't need to put those little things. Let us make our own decision on what we think about it. That that just annoys me when you put those little. Anyway, I'm assuming that this thing is called the uh, the uh, the Shahe Hazarat Zadi. What I don't know. It's it's whatever it is. It's it's named after a uh, Persian princess or something. Uh, but anyway, this yacht. The day that the sanctions were were starting to come down from the Western nations, this yacht sailed out of a port just out of Hamburg, Germany. And it was headed out off coast. It got off the coast. It got out into international waters and the Germans weren't able to seize it. But it went it made the made the loop, went down through the channel and everything, went down into the med. And it's hanging out down there uh, off the coast of Italy. You've got uh, I want to say it was one of Navalny's people. One of uh, Alexei Navalny's people has have dropped the dime on this and said, hey, that's you might want to look into this yacht. There's a yacht out there off the coast of Italy. You might want to take a look at that. And then, of course, uh, there's an ex-crew member that is now advocating, who's not being named, of course, who's now advocating, yeah, you should probably seize that and give all the proceeds of dismantling it by selling it off. You should give all the proceeds to the people of Ukraine. That um, I, I, I was really... <sighs> This, this is going to sound bad, but ha you have to understand uh, my point of view is the government on both sides of the, the line here are corrupt and evil. I was hoping there would be a standoff and Putin would have just let his, left his ship docked there and there would have been a standoff and they would have been pointing their guns at the government and the other government would be pointing the guns at them saying, you know, we're going to seize the yacht. And the, the guys are saying, no, you're not going to seize the yacht. And it, this just would have been a stalemate. I would have preferred that to have happened than him tuck tail and run but they tuck tail and run the problem here is that everybody's corrupt on all sides that's the problem so it's like you're, you're accusing vladimir putin of being corrupt okay he is he is he's an oligarch himself his net worth is what like 200 billion dollars or something yeah it's it's way up there yeah yeah 
And but what's the difference between that and and say uh, just his counterpart from the U.S. side of things? What's the difference between that and Joe Biden? Joe Biden is is the American version of an oligarch. Hunter Biden had to kick half of his uh, his payouts that he got from corrupt companies in China and Eastern Europe, namely Ukraine, to the big guy. So how is that not uh, how is that not a corruption? He's 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 increased his um, his net worth since he's been there. So is Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. Her net worth when she went to Congress was $200,000. Now it's over $200 million. How is that possible on a salary of $160,000 a year? Somebody please do that math for me. Oh, and she also has like, what was it, $2 million worth of stocks in Tesla or something like something, that? that? Something like that. Well, recently well yeah, either is... that or her husband does or something like that. I don't know. But either way, the, the dime's getting dropped to either one of them behind the scenes. But, but I, I, she's I, got $25,000 freezers and $30,000 worth of ice cream in each one of them. It's disgusting. I, I thought it there was some kind of, uh, you know, if uh, if the little people, if, if we were to have a divorce, the wife gets half of whatever. Yeah. So in other words, uh, just because the husband has investments in this, I'm sorry, but in a court of law, that's hers, too. <laughs> true. At least 50 percent of it. That is true. Bruce, you're taking away from the, the yacht here. I want to get into the yacht. This is out of the Sun Papers, for God's sake. We got to talk about this. You know, this is this is the entertainment. I really don't care about this stuff. I mean, it's a nice yacht. I, I like I'm fascinated it by is, yachts. I think they're actually I think there's something to uh, to see that just sheerly from an engineering and a construction standpoint to see what we can do. This thing is amazing because it's it's literally, and they, they actually say it's like a mini city. Uh, a worker who helped build it said, every surface is marble or gold. There are countless swimming pools, a spa, a sauna, a theater, ballrooms, a gym, and two helipads. It's like a mini city. There's even a hospital, which makes sense when you hear rumors of Putin being terminally ill, which you've made uh, comments to that before. It's hard to swallow the fact that the most incredible ship in the world is owned by a man intent on bombing civilians in Ukraine. You love how they get those little jabs in there like that. Now, again, I'm seeing Russians bombing uh, civilian targets in Ukraine. I'm not disputing any of that. But again, like I said, I'm neutral on this whole thing. I'm not getting involved one way or the other. I'm calling out atrocities on both sides. It is unimaginable amount of wealth when the average Russian salary is 5,000 pounds a year. 5,000 pounds a year. And people there are struggling to eat, which I did hear from somebody else. Apart from this, I did hear from somebody else that the food quality in Russia is pretty poor because in recent years, they haven't devoted anything towards updating like their, their nutrition and things to their population. So therefore, the quality of food is really not all that great. I heard the story from somebody who has a, uh, a colleague who works outside of one of the major cities. And whenever their spouse or one of their kids goes to Moscow to visit friends or family members, they bring back a carload and five, six suitcases full of just food that they pick up there because it's of higher quality in the cities. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, they haven't put much money towards programs and investments to get better nutrition to the Russian people, which is really sad. Just throwing in there, is that, is that really surprising though? I mean, if you look at, for example, here in the United States, we don't have as corrupt. Well, I can't say that. I was going to say we don't have as corrupt a government as they do over there, but I actually I, I don't believe that. But our food quality here compared to Europe, Australia, you know, uh, these other countries is fairly low. There there are locations in bigger cities that have good quality food and whatnot. But uh, you go to a franchise, all the franchises get their their food from the same place. Um, I forget what it, I forget what it is now. Uh, starts with an S anyway. 
they're, they're, it's low quality. It's poor quality food. Um, it's Cisco. overly processed. Cisco, that's it. And unfortunately, all these wealthy politicians that we have, wealthy leaders, wealthy CEOs that the left constantly hounds you for having wealth, you're evil for doing that. They're not doing anything to improve food quality. Instead, they're telling you, uh, no, you need to cut back on the foods you eat. In, in fact, you need to just go vegetarian and start eating lentils vegan. instead. You need to go vegan. Yeah. That's what yeah. you need to do. You need or to go lactose-free and yeah, eat bugs and, and eat weeds and drink sewage water, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And, and eat Bill Gates 3D printed steaks from GMO. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Since September of 2020, the 459-foot floating palace named after a legendary Persian queen has been moored in the Marina di Carrara in Italy. Rumors that Putin owned the yacht have circulated since its construction, but its ownership was not investigated until jailed Putin critic Alexei Navalny which he got nine years, by the way. I saw that yesterday. He was just sentenced nine years. A team released a video on Monday detailing the crew, all said to be from Russian security services. So if they're all FSB, then you know it belongs to Putin. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get a Russian oligarch to have nothing but FSB security on there, are you? No, no. If it's if it was like Abram, you know, Abramovich, I think he was probably one of the wealthiest oligarchs. I mean, I know that there's there's a lot of Russian oligarchs, but he's one of the most prominent, one of the most wealthy. I don't think he has FSB guard in his. He's got his own security services, yeah, but I don't think he has state security guarding his uh, his private yacht. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. No, uh, Italian authorities have been urged to seize the yacht. It is said to have a separate European crew only allowed on board when Putin is away. Personal touches for Putin are evident in a judo gym, which has framed pictures of black belts, of which Putin is a black belt. Books show Putin's obsession with wealth, including The Atlas of Beauty by uh, Mikhaila Narok, uh, Fashion History from uh, Kyoto Costume Institute, and Photo Icons by Hans Mikhail Kotzel. I, I, would, I would ask just real quick, is that for himself? Or is that for his daughter? I don't know. Just throwing that out there as a, a possibility because she looks cost. like one that could be into that. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I'm, I, I follow you on that one. A tile dance floor lowers in, uh, lowers to turn into a pool. It is thought to be one of the only two ships in the world. The other is on Putin's yacht, Graceful. He has another yacht? Oh, the Graceful. I'm sorry. The Graceful is the one that sailed out of Germany. I'm sorry. That's that's the one that sailed out of Germany. This is a different yacht. My mistake. I, I made that mistake in the in the beginning. Other indulgences include a self-leveling pool table, five meter aquarium of which the shark is not included. I don't think in the price of it, the shark is is separate. And the biggest TV on a yacht stretching four and a half meters across an entire wall, which cost a million euros just to install it. Bathrooms are adorned with golden toilet roll holders and taps. The yacht features a jacuzzi and a swimming pool with an inflatable slide, a lavish dining room. Uh, you got, the, of course, the pool that becomes a dance floor, swimming pool, the security system capable of downing drones, two helipads for military helicopters, which those are different than the civilian helicopters, by the way, uh, five meter fish tank, shark not included, marble interiors and gold plated bathrooms, six decks, including a movie theater, a judo gym for uh, black belts, a uh, black belt, which is Putin, six jet ski. This is what it has on board. Six jet skis, five tenders and eight sea bobs. Every screw is gold-plated. It's got a health spa, a sauna, and a hospital. 
It boasts two helipads capable of landing 16-foot military helicopters. And the ship's highly sophisticated security system with four radars is said to be capable of shooting down drones. Underneath one of the helipads, there is a... <laughs> you believe this? Underneath one of the helipads, there is a hangar big enough to store a helicopter, along with six jet skis, five t tenders, and eight C-bombs. The former crew member added, all over the world, yachts owned by oligarchs are being seized, but this one is sitting there in plain sight in the marina in Italy. It just doesn't seem right. Flight details obtained by Navalny's team reportedly show the Russian crew flying together to Milan, one of the closest airports northwest of Italy. They believe the crew were there visiting the port to keep watch on the ship. Uh, Italian authorities are now being, uh, are now being pressured to, uh, to seize the yacht. Uh, Ex-crew member wants the yacht uh, that's anchored in Italy to be seized and sold off uh, with profits to be handed to the Ukrainians. Uh, and there you go. There you go. That is one. Regardless of who it belongs to, whether it belongs to Putin or not, I mean, it's possible that it does. But regardless, that's an amazing feat of engineering, wouldn't you say? That's an amazing boat. I'd love to tour. It is. Um, it, it, yeah. Some of the interior. Uh, I actually like some of the interior. Like the. Uh, I do, too. It's beautiful. It, it's beautiful. It's, it's yeah. amazing work that's been done. It's incredible. Uh, like the. I, I guess you would call it the living room or whatever with the uh, piano and everything in there. Oh, the grand piano. Um, yeah. Really yeah, nice. Yeah, the, really nice. I, I actually, the, the flooring is nice. The the coloration on it, the stain colors, everything. I, I like that. It looks nice. What, what this all boils down to is what gives them the right to go in and seize this? Nothing. They don't have any authority to do that at all. To any of the oligarchs, no matter what this is, they, they don't have the right to do that. But again, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about that. It's stealing any way you look at it. It's not about them seizing a Russian oligarch's private property. That's not what it's about. What it's about is showing you in the West, you, the citizen in the West, it's about showing you that they can steal private property of whomever they want, whenever they want. And that includes your property. Remember, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Yeah. And I guess I guess at the same time, it's also showing that um, even oligarchs, even the elite, they're not going to be immune to this. That kind of shows that as well to maybe encourage people that uh, this is all going to be done fairly. It's going to be equitable, Bruce. It's going to be equitable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be equitable. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick out of here a few minutes early. So um, for those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, are you trying to wake anybody up? Are you trying to get someone pointed in the right direction? We would appreciate it if you would send them our direction. We would appreciate it if you would share us with five friends. That's all. Just five friends. So that will do it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.